Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is June 30th, 2020. This month is gone. Last day of June. Wow. First six months, full six months of 2020 have been insane. And I thought I would start off with exactly how we feel because it feels like we're in the land of confusion. That were the Reagans. And I want to remind everyone that pre before there is a great change, right? Because remember, we were on a path. We were set to follow a certain course. But before any change, there is complete chaos. Can you see it now? Complete chaos. Everything is not what it seems. Everything is wrong. Everything makes no sense. Everything is just insane, right? You're just like, this isn't reality. This can't be reality. Uh, People that are screaming, uh, you know, earlier uh, this morning, I went for a swim with my daughter and uh, she did her phone. There was someone screaming, just screaming. And I said, what are you doing? What is that? (laughs) She was like, mom, some liberal was hitting a police officer with a balloon and she was just hitting him with it. And then the other cop took her balloon away and she was screaming. It sounded like she was screaming bloody murder. 
this is a psychological impact on these people that are, you know, hoping to keep us on track. And I'm using air quotes. But all great changes are preceded by chaos. Every single one of them. Because chaos is indeed part of the law of nature. And order is what we want. We want structure. Remember that. Because, you know, in, in, in disorder, there's an order. How many of you have that desk where there's like this one place on your desk that, that nobody, like it's so disorganized, but you actually know where things are. That's that secret order within the chaos. So I want you to remember that because this is how you know things are changing. Again, all these insane things that are occurring, all the cards that they have played, they have left nothing left open to just even think about. They've deployed every single asset they could. They've deployed every single thing that they can control without us intervening. Yes. And all they're doing is trying to protect themselves. The problem is, is that as humans, we are humans. And we're kind and, and we see the good in people first and we see all good. But the, the thing is, we shouldn't be able to let our guard down either because this is how we allow them to separate us from good to infiltrate us. Remember, I, I, I told you there's conservative voices out there that so many on that I follow on Twitter or just look at and, you know, friends of mine follow. And I'm like, um, maybe you shouldn't. Cause they're not really on the same team. You are. What are you talking about? They, this, that, that, no, 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 no. Can you see it now? Can you see it now? People are saying, Oh gosh, I'm so shamed that you said this and how could he, and how could she? Well, yeah, you'll be very surprised if I actually opened my mouth and told you, you know, the people that you're sending money to, uh, the people that you are, you know, supporting the people that you're following, you know, they all tried to even hijack the Q movement. Uh huh. Yes, they did. They tried to monetize and when they couldn't, they tried to kill it. Right. Then they tried to shame it. Right. Because there's a bunch of them and these are all your supposed, you know, conservative voices that are out there fighting for you. They're not fighting for you. They're fighting for themselves. If they were fighting for you, they wouldn't be bashing. Now, one might say, well, you know, to be fair and balanced, you should be able to criticize the president as well. Of course, I criticize him. <laughs> I just, I just understand what he's up against. See, I can criticize him, but then on the, uh, at the same moment, I'm like, look, I can't talk because I don't have the whole world against me. He's the only thing standing between them and you. He's got the whole world. They deployed a virus. You guys, they killed our economy to get rid of him. Four years, all they've been doing is trying to get rid of him. That should tell you everything you need to know. Oh, he's not doing it fast enough. Well, then you do it. You have the whole world against you and get things done faster when you can't trust your own shadow. You don't even know if they're real. You don't even know if your shadow's real at some point. How do you, how do, how do you fix that? You can't because it's chaotic. And the thing about human nature is, is that we crave order. All right. We crave order, but chaos is something natural and chaos and, and order together create a very nice balance 
(laughs) But in order to attain a balance of order, right? You must indeed go through chaos first. Every single change in your life, think back on it. No matter how small, how big, there was chaos. A moment where the floor left right under you and you're like, oh, um, am I going to fall now? And suddenly things are changing and you're like, wait a minute, here's another level. Here's where I can step. Oh, I can see clearly now. Just give it some time because that is exactly what we need. See, uh, they say by definition that chaos is random patterns that, you know, we don't understand. I can tell you that nothing is random. There's no such thing as random in mathematics. There's always uh, uh, something that drives the selection or the changes. That's a, uh, you know, for anyone that says, oh, there's random numbers or, you know, imperfect chaos, perfect chaos. There's so many stupid theories. Bottom line is there's no such thing as random. Uh, There is always a secret order to the chaos. And that is what we all have to see from afar. This is why I always say, try to picture yourself standing on the moon and looking down. Stand on the moon and look down. And here's something the media is not really reporting. So as of July 1st, third world countries are allowed to travel in Europe. So Algeria, well, (laughs) is it really third world? I don't know. Developing, okay. Australia, Canada, Georgia, Japan, Morocco, New Zealand, North Korea, Rwanda, Serbia, Thailand, Tunisia, and Uruguay. All those nations are allowed to fly freely to the European Union. But... People from the United States, Brazil, and Russia are not allowed. Can you see bricks? Mm-hmm. Can you see it? Brick by brick. <laughs> and you know, those are the three nations that have a lot of gold. Not that fake stuff that the Chinese had. I'm just saying. This is where we need to be paying attention. They show you this, and you're looking over there rather than looking over here. It's all about impeachment. All about impeachment. Damn. Schiff, you're in a lot of trouble soon. Lots and lots of trouble. Uh, De Blasio. So digital soldiers have invaded the the whole organization of these Bernie AOC. Believe it or not, there's Bernie bros still working. I kid you not. Uh, Defund the PD, texts, chats. You name it, they do it. And the thing is, people are so dumb. They're like, oh, yeah, de Blasio is totally going to defund the police. Listen, NYPD has a budget of about $6 billion a year, right? And that's because they have so many millions of people and also so many international organizations that they have to do an upkeep for. Okay? That's number one. Also, they have uh, other intricacies that come with more populated cities, period. Now... <laughs> You know, de Blasio's wife has to come up with money that they took from taxpayers in New York. What's best than defunding the New York Police Department and redirecting some of those funds somewhere? I mean, uh, you know, that money's still missing and it's uh, not going to appear anytime soon. So that's a pretty interesting thing. Now, um, I want to go back uh, to rubbish again. Talk, talk, talk. Smack, smack, smack. Uh, about Russia. Russia, 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 putting a bounty on U.S. troops. This is the most ridiculous thing I've heard. Take a listen to what Tony Schaefer had to say, who, by the way, I simply j'adore. Currently, this came uh, incidental to uh, 
a special operations raid on a cache of cash in Afghanistan, where uh, someone said during interrogation, and I conducted these things, I documented in my book, Operation Darkheart, conducting an interrogation of an Iranian enabler, which was doing this, and we had to vet it, vet and validate that. It wasn't simply reporting it up the chain. It mm -hmm. has to go through a process of validation. In this case, CBS has reported that NSA cannot validate this, which means that that information, while may be true, is classified and may not actually be uh, relevant to the Russians at all. So that's why this is uh, the president was not briefed on it because it wasn't validated. Apparently. So basically, here's what happened. A raid happened in Afghanistan. They found wads of cash, wads of cash, right? Wads of cash. And it just so happened to happen while this new delegation is going from the State Department to Afghanistan under, of course, the purview of Molly Fee. So this stash of cash comes out and they're like, yo, oh, dear, money. Totally Russian. And it's like, what? Ha. Molly, Molly, oh no. And you know what? Pompeo went to bat for you with President Trump, Molly, and you did it again. You did the same crap in Sudan. You're pulling the same crap in Afghanistan. This is unacceptable. Who said? Who said? Huh? Like Tony, I've asked questions too. That's not how it works. Because let me tell you something. Say I bust you with cash. I bust you with cash. And I don't want to tell you that it's your own people. I'm not going to tell you, oh, it came from Pelosi or from an American or the Chinese or George Soros. So what am I going to say? Oh, it was Russia. And it's like, OK, uh, sure it was. Uh, you're going to say whatever to get out of it. And obviously when it's not corroborated, because we see and hear everything, we have Space Force now. Hello. <laughs> it's like we totally know if the Russians did anything because they'd be talking about it somewhere. Somehow, and the money would be traced back to Russia. Here's where the fun's going to begin. When we could trace that cash. And I am going to bet my life on its origination in France. Want to make a bet? We'll be right here. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you it's coming from France. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, it's, it, you know, it's disgusting. It's just disgusting. It's it's horrible. It's uh, horrific. And here's what um, Schiff had. You know, we heard the Dems talk uh, this morning. I want to play that a bit. How they're making a big deal out of Russia. And I'm really glad that uh, Ratcliffe put out leaks of intelligence, blah, blah, blah. Big trouble. Uh, we need that stopped. And this isn't really a leak. This was misinformation, purposeful misinformation. So we could get Schiff another hearing. I mean, he, it's, it's like he's jonesing for Russia. I mean, remember, he built his career on proving an FBI agent was a Russian double agent, right? He was a double agent, triple agent, whatever he made him out to be. Even though they already tried the guy, when Schiff came along and tried him, it stuck. Oh, totally Russian. Because he took the word of who? Ah, drug dealers. That's right. Very credible witnesses. And by the way, one of them was Russian, too. That was in bed with the Mexican hotel, too. I mean, Schiff has got some super tricks up his sleeves. I mean, to feed his hunger, he deals with the shadiest of people. I don't think there's anybody on this podium, podium who does not believe that the Russians remain involved in a negative way in, in Afghanistan. I think I want to say more than that. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. You want to make a comment? The, the only thing I would add, uh, Mr. O'Hara, is that uh, 
you know, we certainly underscored the need for the administration to uh, get to the bottom of what threat may be posed to our troops. Um, and, uh, you know, I think it's fair to say they assured us that that would be the case. Um, but uh, uh, that has to be priority number one. Uh, given what uh, Mr. Schiff said, there is uh, – Mr. Meadows clearly – gave the impression that he believed this was a very serious matter if, in fact, there was a threat made to our troops and the Russians facilitated uh, that action uh, so that there was an assertion of that. I, I, I come away from that saying, if that's the case, why was the president not briefed if, in fact, he was not? I think we should have a gang of eight briefing on this, but uh, as Danny has said, I think we ought to have an all-member brief on this as well. In terms of what holdings the Congress has, I can't comment on specifics. I can say that we have been kept informed over time of Russia's malign activities in Afghanistan. Whether we have been kept fully informed or not may be a different question, but we have been kept informed, uh, and that's probably as specific as I can be. Last question. Mr. Horner, another, another question. As these, uh, on, as these cases with coronavirus Fight. House is in all session this week. Should the House continue uh, to meet and have members traveling the way they are at this, case, at this stage? There is certain business that we have to get done, uh, very important for the American people. As you know, we have provided for members who believe that they are at, their health is at risk or their family's health or those that they come in contact with health is at risk. Uh, to not be here, and are, they are voting by proxy. We have some 30 members, I think, there, give or take, uh, who are voting by proxy. Uh, other members, uh, we have taken, trying to take every precaution to ensure, including wearing masks. Uh, members are washing hands. As you have been, if you look at the floor, uh, you see that uh, very rarely are there a large number of members on the floor. I will say that I was very pleased that yesterday, we averaged 40 minutes of vote. That was down from an hour and 15 minutes when we started. Uh, and the reason for that is because members are, in fact, keeping uh, distance uh, so that uh, we want to keep members as safe as possible. So annoying. Safe from what? The flu? Safe from what? What you're going to give them? Safe from what? Importing sick people to California and Texas so you can have a revamp? Is that it? Is that what we're safe from? That's the thing. When people start to see what's really going on, there won't be a street that these clowns can walk on. They've deployed and played almost every single card they have. Why? Because they want to protect themselves. Oh, you can't. Because nothing can stop what's coming. The chaos is here, and it's painful for every single person here. Every single person is feeling it. But like I said, they will not even be able to walk out on a street without getting, you know, yelled at, 
I mean, it'll be time. <laughs> it's going to be time. It is time. Remember, the minute the president said treason, suddenly we had impeachment, coronavirus, you know, deadly wasps, whatever, locusts, right? <laughs> uh, lockdowns, economic collapse, world economic collapse, travel bans for American citizens. You name it, it happened. Oh, dear. It's as if it was planned. Hmm. And here's New York following suit. Hey, I'm Bill Hemmer. A spike in shooting striking New York City as protesters demand cuts to police funding. So that is a crowd throwing glass bottles at officers when they showed up to investigate reports of gunfire in Manhattan over the weekend. And this is today's cover of our corporate cousin, the New York Post. City out of control. The Post reports at least 85 people are shot in the city in a single week. New York City's mayor agreeing to the protesters' demand to slash $8 billion from the NYPD $6 billion budget and use the money for social services instead. He says that's his goal. Aisha Hazi starts our hour live outside City Hall where protesters have been camping out there. Aisha. Hi, Bill. Well, the protesters you see behind me, they may get exactly what they wanted tomorrow as the mayor just announced today that he has a plan to defund the NYPD by $1 billion and reallocate those funds to youth and community services. You mean the mental health services that his wife stole money from now that uh, Attorney General Barr removed uh, the guy that was blocking it? Oh, dear. A.G. Letitia, you better be on alert. And he says he can do that all while keeping New York City safe. Of course, the numbers are painting a different picture right now. Violent crime in New York City is surging. The number of people shot is up more than 51 percent from this time last year. And more than 350 officers have been injured so far since the unrest began. Again. And this video from Harlem this weekend shows people throwing glass bottles and debris at police who were just responding to uh, gunfire, reports of gunshots. And according to local reports, three people were slashed in Manhattan overnight as Black Lives Matter protests mixed with those pride celebrations on the 51st anniversary of the Stonewall riots. Video here shows one police officer pepper sprayed, another fell off his motorcycle. Here is the mayor this morning on the spike in violence in the city. The reality of months and months of people's lives being disrupted, people have lost their livelihood, the pain that people have gone through, the loss of life, the, the frustration. We're in a very particular moment. There's no parallel in New York City history, no one. So there's a lot of factors coming together. Of course. Of course, the police union is not happy with the mayor's plan. The Police Benevolent Association just released a statement a short while ago on the mayor's plan, saying in part, mayor, the mayor and the city council have surrendered the city to lawlessness. We'll find out what happens tomorrow. The hearing, the vote happens tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. I should thank so, you for that here in New York. So that happened yesterday, right? That happened yesterday. to be continued after this break.
All right. Welcome back, everyone. So let's take a listen to what happened today. So that was yesterday, obviously, with all the shootings and whatnot and all this turmoil that's happening. But apparently people are not happy. So, you know, rather than us listen to Fox or someone else comment, we should listen to the Democrats themselves, which are hashtagging Occupy City Hall. And their response is the mayor's tone deaf. The pledge to move $1 billion from NYPD budget fails to satisfy protesters. I kid you not. Take a listen to these idiots. Here in New York City, where this morning police officers closed in on peaceful protesters who've been camped outside New York City Hall, demanding a billion-dollar cut from the police department's $6 billion budget. Footage shared by Vocal New York and others show police in riot gear violently clearing demonstrators from Chamber Street and arresting at least one person. We're going to go right now um, to its occupation. Uh, the occupation remains as the city approaches its July 1st budget deadline. Organizers with the growing grassroots movement say they're not satisfied with Mayor Bill de Blasio, who Monday announced a budget deal that would move $1 billion in NYPD funding in an apparent nod to protesters' demands. Over this weekend... City Hall, here at City Hall, my office presented to the City Council a plan that would achieve a billion dollars in savings for the NYPD and shift resources to young people, to communities, in a way that would help address a lot of the underlying issues that we know are the cause of so many problems in our society. Like mental health, you know, the money that his wife is supposedly taking for her little New York City uh, thing that he applied, you know, that she's taking lead on that gets a quarter million dollars from taxpayers, that one. I'm excited to say that we have a plan that can achieve real reform, that can achieve real redistribution, and at the same time, ensure that we keep our city safe. And we make sure that our officers are on patrol where we need them around this city. The proposed budget would move so-called school safety agents who wear police uniforms and are unarmed from NYPD to the city's Department of Education. Some activists called the deal a betrayal. For more, we're joined by Bianca Cunningham, one of the organizers of the encampment, co-chair of the New York City chapter of Democratic Socialists of America. And she's wearing a mask that says stop killing black people, by the way. Welcome to Democracy Now! It's great to have you with us, Bianca. Um, uh, what does your mask say? And thanks for wearing it. Talk about the response to what many have cast as de Blasio caving to your demand, remove $1 billion from the $6 billion New York police budget. Yes. First of all, thank you for having me. My mask says stop killing black people. It's straight to the point. That's why we're all out here. Um, we're very upset with the fact that Mayor de Blasio and the Speaker of the City Council, Corey Johnson, are attempting to, to raid this as a victory when really all they've really done is shifted money from the NYPD budget over to school safety officers. It shows that they're completely tone deaf about what this moment is about. Um, 
we know that school safety officers contribute to the school. I just wanted to say Bianca Cunningham is actually uh, part of the Democrat Socialists of America. I just thought I'd uh, point that out. Prison pipeline and that kids are saying overwhelmingly students all over the city are saying that metal detectors don't keep them safe. Having police officers in school don't make them feel safe. In fact, it makes them feel like criminals. So the fact that they're parading this as a victory um, by increasing police presence in schools is really upsetting in this moment. Uh, and Bianca, this whole issue of how the uh, police department grew into such a, an octopus. Back in the Giuliani days, they first merged the transit police and the housing police, and then they merged the school safety officers into the police department. So this is like uh, beginning to go back to where it was years ago, but without dealing with the actual issue of the number of police that have remained largely increased even as crime decreased throughout the last 20 years this whole issue of how the city council and the mayor still refuse to deal that there's too many uniformed police in new york city yeah there's too many uniformed police in new york city and furthermore when we talk about defunding the nypd the other part of that is to fully fund social services i can tell you on the encampment it's obvious we have some of the most vulnerable members of our community coming out to have their voices heard and, part and participate in this encampment. And it's clear that what they're saying they need is services, mental health services, social services, uh, adequate housing, you know, affordable health care. You mean everything that Thrive New York City is supposed to be doing, right? You know, the the, you know place where <laughs> you should go to for all of these things uh, that de Blasio's wife is running and getting a quarter million dollars uh, every budget term uh, from uh, New Yorkers. I think it's quarterly, right, that she gets it? You know, the quality education, these are the things that the community is crying out for. And so it's not good enough to move money around and fancy accounting tricks. It's not good enough to just defund the NYPD even. We have to meet that with... Um, services that are fully funded as well. Could you talk about the occupation uh, around City Hall and the impact it has had uh, on the uh, on the council and on the public discussion around this issue? Sure. So um, a group of us called this action um, and this encampment in an, in an attempt to put pressure on the city council um, to meet our demand of one billion dollars. The response has been, frankly, embarrassing, in my opinion. Um, they've called us out on Twitter for saying that, you know, they're good progressives and that, you know, they should be exempt from the accountability that the people are, you know, looking to hold, uh, you know, these electeds to. Um, they're having press conference outside of activist house um, to try to play race cards and other identity-based uh, games about who's allowed to protest um, you know, who's allowed to protest and call for the defunding of the NYPD and who's not. Um, they've been completely, you know, irresponsive to um, all of our calls, only getting upset and almost threatening to withhold their no vote on a budget if we continue to target them. Um, it's, a, it's a real shame what's going on. It's a real shame that they lack the accountability to their constituents. And it's a real shame that even in this moment, when it's so clear to so many of us about what the right thing is to do, they don't have the moral courage to stand up and do it. So, Bianca Cunningham, as you sit there at City Hall talking to us, masked to protect the community, what is happening today? Can you talk about the vote and what you're demanding further? Are you able to go in and out of City Hall? Are you able to speak with city council members? Who is supporting you within the government and in the greater community? You start. 
I just wanted to say before she answers that, I did tweet out uh, an image where they're fighting between themselves, uh, just so you know. And uh, those texts that you saw um, show the FBI and the Justice Department who they need to be listening to. But also what she's telling you is that they're playing politics. They're like, leave us alone and we'll get it done or else you're in trouble and we're not going to play this game. Listen to what the Democrats uh, the Democrat socialists are saying, because these aren't Democrats. And the woman that hosts Democracy Now! is like this old hag with thin gray hair. Uh, she looks like a witch, uh, like legit. started with just 100 people there. Well, yes, we started the, encamp- the first night of the encampment. We didn't know what was going to happen. We called for it, and we were hoping for the best. 200 people stayed the night the first night. Um, We are now on our eighth day of the encampment, and we've had everything, you know, up to thousands of people in the space at one time, with almost a thousand people steadily staying the night, um, every night. Um, You are able to go inside and outside of the encampment, but I will say, you know, we know the symbol, this is symbolism, right, that we are encamped in City Hall. Nobody's there because of COVID. Everybody's at their house. And normally what protocol would be today, so they're meeting at 11, they would need to come into City Hall to cast a vote. Well, instead, they've um, changed the procedure to say that they can now vote virtually through Zoom. And so that vote will be taking place all day. So they're making it super hard to hold them accountable. They don't want to face the public. They're hiding inside their houses and they're on Twitter um, threatening us to say that we shouldn't be talking against the establishment. Um, So I feel like, you know, we are having an impact. I would say, you know, we have if you walk inside the encampment. This is how they cannibalize themselves. Can you see it? We have a people's library where people can go get educated on capitalism and racial capitalism and racism. We have a people's bodega where you don't have to leave and you have like PPE and sanitary items and things that you need. We have a fully stocked food table where we've been having donations outpouring from New Yorkers and even people from the UK, from California, from all over the country trying to find out how they can send us food. Oh, you mean uh, foreign donations. Great. We have blankets and clothes and shoes, and we're really taking care of the homeless. I could just share really quick. Yesterday, um, a a young woman came up to me. It was her first night in the encampment, and she described to me that this is what she felt like community should feel like. She says, I've never felt more cared for. I've never felt more taken care of. I've never felt more safe. And so we are trying to model in real life what it looks like to keep each other safe without the police presence. And that includes having to navigate a number of issues with the homeless folks, with people with mental health issues, but still not not calling the police and, and using mediation, mental health services and other professionals to de-escalate situations. And Bianca, we only have about 30 seconds, but I wanted to ask you, where, where do you see as the next steps? The city council must a vote uh, to approve a budget by June 30th, which is today. So hopefully for the new fiscal year that starts July 1. What do you expect to happen uh, after their vote with the movement you've started? No, it's hard to say. Right now, all of our focus is on trying to target the council members to say that, please withhold your vote on this budget. If it doesn't, we know that it doesn't include the demand that we want. So can we vote no? And can you uh, create your own budget? They have the right. I mean, you know, it's within the right to do so. Um, It would be messy, but it definitely is possible. Further than that, I would say to Speaker Corey Johnson, who's looking to run for mayor, don't even bother. If you can't stand up and be our leader in this political moment, then don't even bother to try to be mayor later because we'll remember where you stood today.
Do you plan on continuing the encampment tonight beyond the vote, Bianca? The encampment will continue tonight. We're having a sleepover in City Hall tonight. We're calling on everybody to come out. We're going to be talking strategy. We're going to be talking about targets. We're going to be talking about where we... Targets, targets. We go from here. We know that this is just one step in the fight. Many of us are abolitionists. And so we know that this is just one step towards that. And so we'll continue this as a community. Bianca Cunningham, thanks so much for joining us. Organizer of... Did you hear that? So you know what this reminded me of? Do you remember... Um, how um, the w- the movie Trading Places? Do you remember uh, the um, the part where Randolph says, "Pay up, Mortimer. I've won the bet." And Mortimer says, "Here, one dollar." And they laughed and they said, "We took a perfectly useless psychopath like the Democrats and turned them into a successful executive." And during the same time, we turned honest, hardworking man into a violently deranged would-be killer. And they laughed. Now what are we going to do about Winthorpe taking back and returning Valentine to the ghetto? Oh, I don't want Winthorpe back after what he's done. You mean keep Valentine as managing director? Do you really believe that I would have a beep, run our family business, Randolph? And of course not. Neither would I. So these are two millionaires betting a dollar, destroying and and giving um, hope and uh, changing another's. This is exactly what you're seeing on a world stage. They are trying to get these insane losers up while you go down, while they sit in their castle and watch the hard workers take a tumble and be nothing like the losers. Uh, that is exactly what they want. And they will, and they are... This is this is an insurgency. This is so bad. And we're in like uh you know, I'm going to say something. So so you guys understand when I tell you uh how, you know, things are different. So I talk about time travel and I talk about um how I know the outcomes. And this is because, uh, and, and how I say that it shifts all the time because consciousness is not like a computation. I want you to understand you can't compute it. It's actually a physical process. Okay. It's very difficult. Uh, physicists try to explain it. Mathematicians, there's so many models that have been done. Um, one is, um, called the orchestrated objective reduction or ORCHR. Or or right or or or, and um, it's basically a biological philosophy of mind that states that consciousness consciousness originates at a quantum level inside neurons, rather than the conventional view that it is a product of connections between neurons. Now, many many times. Uh, over air, I've <laughs> told my listeners and all of you constantly that you are basically made out of five basic elements, right? Elements on an atomic level, and that's carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, nitrogen, and phosphorus. That's it. All the other, uh, you know, interacting uh, atoms of, you know, existence are, you know, chlorine, calcium, metals, you name it, right? But that's your basic bones, the five, right? Those five things. 
on a quantum level individually, right? How do they operate? So collectively, right, uh, when you have uh, this backbone of your DNA, which is those five elements with everything else, they interact, and that DNA creates a cell, and then you have a lot of elements together that make one cell and then those cells make a larger cell. So people think that the collection, uh, the connection between one cell and another is where it happens, but the connections happen on a more quantum level. And so, um, it's, it's pretty interesting because a lot of people think that, um, that thought, chaos, uh, time, all of it, uh, lands and can be uh, more linear with um, fancy algorithms. This is where the error happens, um, that we would like a computer to make more, uh, that a computer is faster than us, but only because we don't understand uh, the level of quantum processes. Let's put it that way. And so a computer would be a lot easier, supposedly, to understand that. Yet on a quantum level, it's completely infinite. And so uh, this is the beauty of the puzzles that I like to solve um, about can you compute consciousness? Can you compute time? And how it, how can that happen? Now, I've said it many, uh, you know, many times I've, I've tweeted and I've said, people tell you exactly who, who they are. And this goes to even the, the people that have infiltrated uh, the power of good, the, camp, the encampment of good. Let's put it that way. Uh, the digital soldiers, those voices that you retweet all the time, some of them blue check marks, some not. They all have infiltrated that just like the left has. I, I want... How do I explain this any better? I want you to imagine entering a big room, okay? And uh, at the end of each room, you have two, you know, Dell computers, right? And they're just chit-chatting. They're just talking to each other. And, you know, they'll be talking and having conversations and uh, exchange their programming ideas. Um, and they have been fed all this information about the human race, okay? And so... What you need to, to, to think about is, okay, let's pretend your computer and my computer are sitting in that room and you see them and they're exchanging information. So your computer's exchanging information, my computer's exchanging information. But where does it manifest um, of outcome? When they're exchanging this information, how do they process outcome? How do they process end game? You know, how do you think that exchanging information is enough or computing ones and zeros is enough to tell you uh, what uh, the whole process is in thought and projection and reality? See, a computer can't do that. A computer uh, can only see in a specific dimension, Mathematics can take you to multidimensional levels when you look at it from a quantum perspective, okay? But a computer, think about it. It's got input, output, input, output. 
every single piece of input you have in, uh, you know, your input or your senses, right? Your six senses, uh, the six one we don't really talk about, but you have six senses of receiving input. And uh, let's pretend that the computer can simulate that, right? Let's pretend we can have a pressure gauge so it can feel touch, right? Uh, uh, you know, a camera to see, uh, a microphone to hear, right? And maybe something that can pick up molecules of taste and, and, you know, the olfactory smelling, right? Smell molecules. Remember smell-o-vision? Everybody wanted that. I could just imagine smelling pizza while I'm watching TV. That's it. It's like, hey, Domino's. But think about it. Can a computer really mimic a human being? No, it cannot. So in essence, the goal is is to uh, upgrade a human with technology, but you can't do that because by upgrading the human in the sense that we think, right, and what they've been doing, just so you understand, and how they predict their future, right, is that they see human consciousness as an exchange of information. They don't seem to understand that that's not how it works. Uh, you know, uh, lately, the scientific community uh, has been coming on board with, the, with what I've been saying, that it's down to your molecular level, to your DNA, where all your thoughts, all your dreams, all your memories are collected uh, to manifest you, your fears, everything, every single part. Of it. It's like a flower, right? So you have a flower, and uh, when the flower grows, right, and it's like sprouting up, uh, the one thing it doesn't do is hide any of its petals, right? It can't hide a petal, can it? It's not going to be like, yo, you know what? I got like 25 petals. I don't like these five, so I'm going to take them off. No, it, it shows all of them, right? It has all of them. The fears, the, the, the good, the bad, the evil, the divine, it has them all out there to take it in. And that's what makes it beautiful, right? Technology, on the other hand, excludes that which would be considered uh, a defect from proper processes because it cannot compute to that level. Now, with that said, we have been conditioned to think in a more linear fashion. The minute you accept that chaos is okay, the minute you accept that... Uh, everything is not what it seems. The minute you accept that what you are seeing now, this anger you're feeling, this hope you're feeling, it's, it's together, right? This hope, oh, oh, we're getting somewhere. And then it's like, oh, I'm angry because we're not doing anything. I feel stagnant. Look at all the ugly petals that you're seeing now. Look at all the ugly ones. Can you see the rest of them now? I want you guys to look, you can, if you can identify the ugly petals, uh, you can identify the good ones too and see that there are plenty more good petals than there are bad petals. I don't know if I've explained this correct or not, or in a way that you can understand it because what you are going to see for the next, you know, 60 days, 30 days have gone. We've got another 60 to go will be insane. It is set in stone, insanity, new hearings. And none of you sit there. Most of you complain. Nothing's been done. Guys, obviously things are getting done because they've spent four years trying to impeach him.
Before he even swore in, they tried to impeach him. So obviously things are being done. You just don't see it because it's not linear like you've been trained to see. You're not able to see it on a more, hey, look at these nice petals. You're seeing them one by one rather than stepping back and seeing the collective picture. Now, after the break... We'll talk about what's going on in Europe. Oh, and by the way, on that list, Turkey is also not allowed in the EU. Um, We'll talk about what's going on in the Middle East and Afghanistan, as well as uh, our local stuff. And let's talk about SHIP a little bit. Welcome back, everyone, to the Torsa Show. So I want you guys um, to remember something. Everyone tells you who they are if you listen, okay? They tell you exactly who they are. Now, on that note... Let's remember back in 2018 when, uh, you know, General Flynn's sentencing date was set for March. Let's remember how I told you that A.G. Barr wasn't going to be confirmed till like February, March, if he was going to get confirmed, which he did. Spot on. Was I right about General Flynn? Yes, I was. He's never going to be sentenced. Said that? Yes, I did. And so it was. And I was saying the same thing about Roger Stone. He's never going to see a day of jail. I even told him that, well, you're not going to go to jail, but, um, you know, uh, he'll get a commutation of the sentence for sure. It won't be a pardon. It'll be a commutation watch. Uh, And he won't spend a day in jail either. So it comes up to July 14th. Now, um, you know, they can't send him to jail considering coronavirus. They can give an extension. So I'm just saying... I've said this, I've, uh, you know, I've given you evidence of being spot on many times. RBG, I've, you know, I'm going to take that egg on my face because, you know, uh, the things out of North Korea haven't come out yet. And, and when they do, you'll understand why I said it. And you'll understand why that glitch happened and it was revealed. Huh. But until then... So be it. So let's uh, think of what is coming now. Uh, Let's think by listening to Tucker, how ordinary citizens are standing up as politicians cower to the mobs. Uh, But we need to be patient. Remember that, because that is exactly what they want with that dollar. They want the good guy to do what? become violent, become vicious. That is exactly what they want. They are pandering to our primitive, primitive and primal brain. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. For more than a month, mobs of violent, crazy people have roamed this country, terrorizing citizens and destroying things. No one has stopped them from doing that. So they've continued and they've become stronger. Politicians now cower before the mob. Corporate America mouths their slogans. The education cartel, enforced on your children, enforces their demands. 
Police officers, emasculated and restrained, watch it all from the sidelines, unable to help. For weeks we've asked, who will stand up for this country? And the answer we're learning is Americans. Americans will. It's up to them. Small groups of citizens are beginning to come forward to defend their laws, defend their history and their culture. Antifa does not own these things, neither does Black Lives Matter. They have no right to destroy them. In New York City over the weekend, a group of citizens gathered to defend a statue of Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt was the most popular history president in the history of this nation. That's partly because he was a sterling moral example. Antifa wants him erased. Local officials have said they will comply with that demand. No one asked the public what the public thinks of this. Our leaders don't care what they think. This group decided to be heard. We will see to it that you fall, and you fall so hard, Yo, you ain't no one hit you. Check your f- privilege and get back over there. Yo, Whoa. Yo. Yo, yo, who are you talking to, huh? You got something to say, little boy? You got something to say, little boy? No, you don't, do you? No, I don't do. No, I'll stand wherever I want. You're bigots. You don't understand the Constitution. Is that the best you got, darling boy? Is that the best you got, baby boy? Is that the best you got? That's the New York we love. Yes, it is. Is that the best you got? That's the way it is. You know what? These, uh, you know, dildo waivers need to be very aware that us Gen Xers are vicious, right? Remember, I know that when I was a kid, video games, Atari came out just before I was able to toy with it. Nintendo came out. Cell phones came out. We learned to adapt, right? We learned to adapt. We have that strong work ethic from the boomers and we've got the tech and the know-how of the today kids most incredible combo that is where you know you know unfortunately cuomo tried to kill off the boomer conservatives that are in nursing homes you know those voters that murder that took place let's not forget that's murder in those five states it is murder they knew they were gonna die they were sending people with body bags okay every time they sent a covid positive patient into nursing home in the stretcher they had body bags they knew exactly what they were doing so here is where and like i've said (laughs) you know he's one man against the world man and it's all up you know it's all up to us to stand right behind him and be that woman that's exactly what we want is that the best you got yes actually it is the best they've got tear off the masks turn down the volume and you see it very clearly the mob is not fearsome it's pathetic These are pampered children play-acting at revolution. They are cowards. That's why they move in packs. They have no skills. All they can do is destroy. The closer you get to them, the clearer all of that is. They're trying to find this as a racial issue. This is not about race anymore. It never really was. This is about taking apart the, um, the fabric of America. Well, exactly. This is not about racial justice. It never was about racial justice. That's obvious to the rest of us now. The president understands it, too. Last week, he issued an executive order to protect our monuments from the mob. On Saturday, the Department of Justice charged four people with destruction of federal property for vandalizing monuments right across from the White House. Federal Park Police posted 15 wanted posters online. The president retweeted them. Oh, but the overpaid corporate revolutionaries on cable news were outraged by that. 
Enforcing the law? Enforcing the law is racist, they lectured us. MSNBC anchors enjoy seeing statues topple as they glide by in their car services. It makes them feel alive. In another sign of where his priorities are during this time, the president signed a new executive order yesterday centered on protecting monuments, memorials, and statues. Not people. So he threatens prison terms. He threatens retribution. He defends statues. He ignores the substance of the message and wholly misses the mark. President Trump signed an executive order about the protests, but not to protect people dying at the hands of the state. Instead, he signed an order that denounced protesters who vandalized Civil War monuments, protecting statues while real people suffer and some die. They're such liars. Civil War monuments are taking down statues of Abraham Lincoln. But did you catch the last line? While real people suffer. Well, Patricia and Mark McCloskey are real people. They live in St. Louis. As their city degraded and fell apart around them, became dirty and dangerous over the last decades, they did not flee to the suburbs. Many of their neighbors did, but they stayed in their home. They've been in the same home for 32 years. They've rebuilt it entirely, slowly, painstakingly. They love it. On Sunday, the McCloskeys sat in their backyard together having dinner. Suddenly, as they ate, a mob of hundreds of screaming people destroyed a wrought iron gate with a no trespassing sign on it and came pouring in, moving toward them quickly. McCloskeys were terrified. They'd watched as mobs looted and burned and assaulted citizens around the country. This mob was clearly intent on violence. They said so. When Mark McCloskey told them to leave, the mob threatened to murder him and his wife. Then they threatened to kill the family's dog. Panicked, the McCloskeys called the police. Then they called the neighborhood security patrol, but no one came. They had no choice to protect themselves. They went inside and got their, yes, legally registered firearms. It worked. Met finally by citizens who dared defend himself, the mob retreated and melted away. But the terror did not end. The sight of ordinary Americans standing up for themselves and their home enraged our professional class, and they immediately put the McCloskey's name and their home address all over the Internet. Threats poured in. Mark McCloskey spent last night boarding up his office downtown. He had no choice. Still, no one stepped forward to protect the McCloskeys, not one person. Amazingly, Missouri has a Republican governor, a former sheriff called Mike Parson. But Governor Parson did not send state troopers to defend the McCloskeys from Antifa. Governor Parson didn't even call the McCloskeys. There's a lot he could have done. The governor could have announced that as long as he runs the state, no citizen will be prosecuted for exercising the most basic of all rights, the right of self-defense against the mob. But the governor didn't do that. In fact, he did nothing. And so, sensing they were completely undefended, the jackals descended on the McCloskeys. St. Louis's district attorney, a woman called Kim Gardner, announced that she was considering filing criminal charges against the McCloskeys for resisting the mob, a mob that was threatening to murder them. Gardner vowed to, quote, use the full power of Missouri law to hold the McCloskeys accountable for the crime of self-defense. Not the full power to defend them against people who are threatening to kill them, but the full power to crush them for resisting. The media, meanwhile, immediately set about trying to show the McCloskeys were racists. 
Here's how The Washington Post framed the story. Quote, as the peaceful crowd of about 500 walked along a private gated street, a white couple who emerged from a marble mansion had something else in mind. The New York Times agreed this was definitely a hate crime. Quote, President Trump on Monday morning retweeted a video of a white man and woman brandishing a semi-automatic rifle and a handgun at peaceful black protesters. So keywords here, private property, private road, private gated community, meaning private, meaning you're trespassing. So these uh, these 500 protesters were trespassing. Yet the governor sat there again. I remind all of you that we elected them. We are in control always. So we can take them down. We are the news now. We are the defenders. Remember that iconic picture of the soldiers putting up the flag in Iwo Iwo Jima. Do you remember that? You know where the soldiers are all pushing together to put up the flag? That's us. And in the front is President Trump. Now, how many of us get behind him to make sure that flag stands? I think that's all of us. So remember, we are in control, not them. You know what? It takes us, what, one second to get together and say, you know what? I don't like the governor. So all of us, thousands of us, descend on, you know, the governor's mansion and say, we're evicting you. Get out. That's how you get them out. You're evicted. Get out. Well, you got to do the, you're evicted. We make the laws, not you. Out. That is how you take a broom and you sweep it out nicely. We're in charge. You're not doing what you were elected. Get out. You shouldn't be sitting in the governor's mansion. Who is this district attorney? Who appointed her? Was she elected? How did she get in there? Yep. Who did it? You're out because we're in control. When we understand that and we embody that, then we can move forward because it is one man against the world. How many of you are right behind him? Because let me tell you something. We, I, I, I've said this before. General Flynn was targeted because he knew too much and he was, he, he, and he was squeaky clean too. There was no gaps in his history, no nothing they could use against him. Anyone that has spoken up against them has had their life destroyed. Same here. Destroyed because they had booby traps everywhere. They had handlers everywhere. Every single person that has come up has been pushed down. Now, how many of them are standing behind President Trump? I don't know. Not all of them. I could tell you that. I personally know of two people that have been crushed so bad, so bad that they're on suicide watch. The bottom line is you either stand or you fall. Which, which way is it going to be? Oh, are you upset that you didn't see perp walks? Not yet. Not yet. You're going to see perp walks. You're going to see Comey. You're going to see Clapper. You're going to see Brennan. And Obama's getting retroactively impeached while he's outside of the United States of America. Understand that. You will see Hillary Clinton. Not perp walk. She's going to die because she's like sick or whatever. That's how it goes. Now. The bottom line is you need to take a stand just like these people did. That's their property. Yeah. You step on my property. I shoot you. I have that right. I am defending my property to have a district attorney that's supposed to be prosecuting crimes to use the second amendment. That is a right against you. That's bizarre. You're like, what? Yes. Like I said, 
chaos. Nonsensical chaos. That's what we're seeing. Almost every word a lie. In fact, the mob was not, quote, black, whatever that means. And it definitely wasn't peaceful. It was murderous. Nor did anyone explain what the McCloskey's race had to do with anything. A white man? A white couple? Okay, they are. So what? Why is that relevant? Why is it ever relevant in a situation like this? It's not. But again, no one bothered to explain. Online, the mob's digital enablers took the bait. They knew what to do. Time to hate the McCloskeys. A longtime libertarian activist in Washington called Jerry Taylor immediately tweeted this, quote, If I were in that march and these racist lunatics were waving guns at me, I'd like to think I'd rush them and beat their brains in. And I wouldn't apologize for it for one goddamn second, end quote. Jerry Taylor, by the way, isn't some lone lunatic. He runs a think tank in Washington. It's called the Niskanen Center. And yet here was Jerry Taylor, libertarian in good standing, encouraging brutal violence against strangers for defending themselves. No one even seemed to notice. Nobody cared. The message to everyone else was crystal clear. The mob is in charge. Their power cannot be curbed. Don't even consider defending yourself. Self-defense is racist. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer all but said that out loud today. Whitmer demanded that her state make, make, quote, racially motivated 911 calls a hate crime. Making false 911 calls is already a crime in the state of Michigan. So what would be the purpose of this order? You know the answer. Fear. The mob wants the power to destroy anyone who wants police protection from, quote, mostly peaceful protests. It's an impediment to their power. So Gretchen Whitmer is trying to sweep it away. You can see exactly what's coming. It's obvious what they're planning. What's fascinating is the people doing this know it, too. They know the consequences of these plans, and they don't plan to live with those consequences. On Friday, the Minneapolis City Council voted unanimously to abolish their city's police department. A number of them explained why they were voting this way. Watch. And now is the time for us as a city to start paying the community members who have been doing this work for decades and need to get paid. All that money has been going into the police department. And what have we gotten in return? Pain, trauma and hurt. We will be taking intermediate steps towards ending the MPD through the budget process. Showing up as a person who believes that we should and can abolish our current Minneapolis police system. And cue music, Sharia law enters the picture. Let's remember these states. Let's remember these governors. Let's remember New York, Michigan, New Jersey, California, and Pennsylvania. Those governors who murdered the majority of the elderly, right? Because other governors did the same thing by infecting them with COVID. Ah, you know, the flu. Because no matter how healthy you are, you get exposed to the flu and you've had a flu shot, <laughs> you're going to get the flu. Haven't had the flu shot, you're going to be asymptomatic. So, Aren't we supposed to be protecting our vulnerable? Aren't we supposed to protect those that are susceptible to disease first? They knowingly and willingly killed them. They killed them. That's murder. And now, the city of Minneapolis has abolished the police. This sends one message to the Somali gangs. Boy, you know what, what really bothers me is that my daughter is attached to Fort Schnelling. And they 
are in the heart of it. Who is going to protect the citizens of Minneapolis against the Somali gangs? Remember those peaceful Somalis that come and they beat someone up, steal their shoes because they're the wrong color? Those. Oh, Sharia police will be out. Maybe you'll get cited or beaten or raped or groomed because you're white or you wear a miniskirt. Oh, Tory, that's racist. Is it, though? Because that's exactly what they're doing in other nations and in other cities where Sharia police exists. See, you would think maybe because I'm friends with Laura Loomer, she got a little bit of a rub off on the time traveling and told you so. This is her told you so moment. And who do they have at the forefront of this? Ilhan Omar that called for a jihad that had secret meetings with the Turkish president and the foreign minister of Turkey was texting her congratulations for being elected into state house, (laughs) state house. That's the thing. State house. I want you guys to remember that because this is all coming and it's unfolding. The woman they banned, why would they rip her tongue out on social media? Is it with all these trolls sending you stupid pictures of Laura being a Mossad agent? Come on, man. Look at it. They ripped her tongue out. Why? Because she was speaking the truth. Not because, you know, she's this or that. She could see it. (laughs) I mean... Anybody could see it. I guess not everybody. Because here we are. It's 2020. It's been three years that she's been telling you. And here we are. It's now come to fruition. (laughs) Funny how that works, right? Funny how those that speak the truth are, uh, you know, made right after the fact, right? So very few lawmakers have actually stood up to defend cops. Take a listen to what else Tucker had to say detail, no institution in American life has come under more ferocious attack from the mob than local police departments. In Minneapolis, police are being abolished entirely. In Los Angeles and New York, their funding is being slashed dramatically. In cities around the country, monuments to the police are being vandalized or ripped down. In the city of Atlanta, Officer Garrett Rawl faces the death penalty for shooting a man called Rayshard Brooks after Rayshard Brooks stole his taser and fired it at him. So what are Republican office holders doing in the face of this unprecedented attack on our laws and on public safety itself? Well, not a lot. Few have stepped up to defend the police from totally bogus accusations of, quote, systemic racism. Some are repeating that slur. One Republican, though, has gone farther than that. As we told you last week, Senator Mike Braun of Indiana has introduced legislation to make it easier for left-wing activists to sue police officers. We must do this, Senator Braun explained, in part because Rayshard Brooks's death was egregious. I wanted to put a template out there that protects law enforcement from frivolous lawsuits, but holds the egregious departments and individuals accountable uh, in these egregious you know, instances of a George Floyd, a Rayshard Brooks, a Breonna Taylor. In case you suspect we somehow selectively edited that clip, here's Republican Senator Braun going all the way in endorsing Black Lives Matter. You support the the Black Lives Matter movement. I support that movement because it's uh, addressing an inequity that has not been solved, uh, you know, from a grassroots level. After our segment on Thursday, Senator Braun asked to come on this show. 
to detail his position. Of course, we're happy to have him. Senator Braun, thanks so much for coming on. Before I ask you about qualified immunity and your attempts to water it down, I was very surprised by that endorsement that you gave on camera of Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter has, of course, called for the murder of police officers. Why do you support it? And are there any other race specific revolutionary movements that you support? So, Tucker, thanks for having me on in the first place. I know when you uh, came out and I like it when somebody does challenge, especially something like this, when you're talking about changing something that's been around for a while. And, Tucker, I come from Main Street. Uh, your uh, viewers are my supporters and have got one of the most conservative voting records. No, that's true. Okay. You'd have to check with them, just like I checked with the Indiana State Police, Indiana Sheriff's Association, Fraternal Order Police, spent over an hour with them last week to make sure I wasn't off base. And here's where I come from. Uh, I'm, sorry, every- I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm confused really quick. Hold on. You're, you're off base in your support of Black Lives Matter, your endorsement that you just gave? Have you read their website? Or are you in no, favor of I, abolishing the nuclear family? What, what do you support exactly? No, in the Black I'm not Lives at all. Movement? What does I, that mean? I, okay. I support anybody that does have a grievance to be able to air it. And that's it. Uh, that doesn't mean all lives don't matter. It just means that if you think a certain sector of society has a grievance, it ought to be through transparency and the willingness to debate it and get it out there. I'm going to always go on the merits of the particular case. And going back to what I learned last week, first of all, uh, law enforcement in Indiana thought was talking about eliminating it or drastically modifying it. This was to, to find that sweet spot to where they said they are being unduly stigmatized because of these events, because in some cases their own aren't held accountable. And when they knew that, they basically said, we need to be in the discussion. Look how we got rolled with Obamacare when we refused wait, wait, to discuss wait, wait, hold it on, 10 hold years on. ago. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We just showed yeah. tape of you, Senator, saying that we need to pull back. We need to make it easier to sue the police because of, quote, egregious incidents like the death of Rayshard Brooks. You said you wanted to speak about specifics. Do you believe that he was killed unjustly? Do you believe Officer Rolf deserves the death penalty, which he now faces? What did you mean by that? Please. I believe you ought to have the ability to, uh, just like when anyone's civil rights would be violated, that you've got access to uh, due process, to have your case well, heard. But they do. That, but they well, do they have do. that right. Qualified immunity, hold on. Qualified immunity has nothing to do with that case. He's been charged. They have the right to sue him under qualified immunity, as you know, since you're writing the the change to the law. So that's irrelevant. I'm asking about the case. You cited it. Do you believe that the officer now facing the death penalty deserves to face the death penalty? And if you don't tell us what he should have done. I think that that's going to be determined by the court. And when it comes you to cited that it. civil... So what do you, wait, hold on. You cited it. What do you think of it? You're the one who called it egregious, so why don't you tell us what I Officer think Ross should have done when this man fired a taser at him? What do you think? I think that uh, you probably should have had the judgment that in a, a traffic stop like that, you don't shoot somebody in the back. So uh, if we keep doing okay. that... So let what me should he... Here. Wait, let hold me, on. Let, hold on. No, no, no. I want you to explain. I think it's fair. You're an office holder... I don't normally press people like this, but it's not fair for you to filibuster without answering my question, which is very simple. The officer facing the death penalty had a guy fire a weapon at him. What should he have done then? Probably not have killed the guy. And that'll come out. So what out should he have done? Court. He no, should have well, probably not. saying it's egregious. Let him go. He, he sh- do you think he was going to get away? 
Uh, they were going to find uh, him. You tell me. You tell me. You're the one judging the officer. So maybe that, you could explain why you're judging him. Uh, Tucker, that'll all come out in the court process. And all I'm saying, let me finish this. If we don't get better at it, for all of us on Main Street, Democrats are going to spin it. Uh, Chuck Schumer's already decided he can make hay of this in the election, and we'll end up on the short side of it again. If you're wanting to say Who controls absolutely, the Senate? Does Chuck Schumer if, control it? I thought Republicans controlled the Senate. And you so you're taking six, your cues you, from Chuck Schumer? You you're have saying 60, Chuck Schumer might criticize me, therefore I have to pass a law that makes it easier to sue police? Tucker, okay. you know you have to have 60 votes in the Senate to get anything done. You can check my rap. Yeah, they're about I'll to change that when it. they take over. And even law okay. enforcement in Indiana thinks that in some of these cases, it's giving them a bad name and bad apples. Ought to be, uh, there ought to be due process there for the victim. So what law and enforcement groups are endorsing your bill? They're not endorsing it, but they said it was a good oh. template to work from. But why so. aren't they endorsing it then? You've cited them twice as supporters of this idea, but they're not endorsing your bill, so they don't actually support it. So why are you bringing them up as they evidence think it's that a, it's a good idea? They think it's a better idea to be in the discussion than be outside of it. But if you care what they think, why don't you write something they'll endorse? And that doesn't necessarily mean we won't get there. That's not going to be done today. The Democrats now think they can win with it in the election, and that's why we needed to be engaged now in a way that would have kept it on so the table. So you need to write a bill that law enforcement won't endorse. The country's burning, not because cops are burning it down, but because the mob is. But you think the morally culpable party is the police, so you're making it easier for left-wing groups to sue them. Am I missing something? You are missing it, but you're trying to put words in my mouth. I don't think no, you not. can justify I'm any of the looting any of the rioting, and if you don't address the underlying issue, do you think it's going to fix itself on its own? Do you think it's going to get better? Do you think the underlying Probably issue not. is Rayshard Brooks being shot? Is it, so you're telling me that what's happening now is the result of police behavior. It's the, police, it's the fault of the police. That's what you're saying. Because you call no, it the underlying I'm saying issue. What they're getting by with on the other side is trying to generalize on the specific and they'll get away with it if we decide to do nothing. That's just a general disagreement and approach. What about believe, are you making it easier for business owners to sue the mob for burning their businesses down? I haven't noticed that bill coming out of the Senate. <laughs> hey, if we're not in the discussion, Tucker. We're going to be on the sidelines like we are on so many issues as conservatives because we fail to engage and they run circles around okay. us in the end run. OK, so let me just stop it there. Um, what he's saying, listen to what he's saying, and it's not getting across because he can't say it correct. And I have to say, I agree with that one part that he's not getting across. What he's trying to say is, well, the guy took a taser and shot it at him. He didn't. He And he's right. He didn't have to kill him. And I know. It's justified what he did. But even though it's justified, right, that could be an example to say, all right, from now on, if, you know, you have his car, you know who he is, and they're vicious, let him go. You're going to catch him at their house. You know their parole officer. Come on, man. Like, you already know. So it's not like he's going to get away. So that is the truth. He didn't have to kill him. That's the truth. Let's be fair. Because what if you're out drinking and you're drunk and you're not in your right mind and you pull the taser? Because I don't know, maybe you're high. Maybe someone roofied you, whatever. Should you pay for it with your life? I mean, yeah, you should abide, but the guy was drunk, right? They stopped him for drunk. I'm just saying. So I get what he's saying. 
What he's saying is we should have an example. Not that the guy should have the death penalty because our police are trained to attain the suspect at any cost. That is their bottom line, period. And the police are there to protect and serve. So let's be fair to see it from that end. And what he's trying to say is the left is talking circles around us because we're not appeasing them in any way to hone it down. Here we're saying we're giving full power to the police. We want the police to stand firm. We want them to be safe. We want them to enforce the law, but we also want them to understand when someone's not in the right capacity, like that young man who was, you know, uh, schizophrenic that they killed. He was a white guy, right? Sat on him because he was doing whatever. Like the drunk person that goes walking off and they shoot him. Why? They're drunk. They're not thinking straight. How many of you, when you're drunk, drunk text or think you're, you know, doing whatever? How many of you have gotten high or whatever? I'm just saying. That's not a reason to take a person's life. So I get what he's saying. We have to be fair and see both sides. You think you're going to keep the Senate in the fall on this platform? I think we're going to keep the Senate if we uh, at least are willing to engage in issues that are important to the American public and that we don't always stand on the sidelines until it's too late. It's more about yeah, when I, I you get involved in the issue. issue. I don't think the public supports you at all on this. I'm, I'm, with I respect, think, I just don't. I, don't I think, think law enforcement... Look, Black Lives Matter is a hoax. But let's be honest. There are a lot of police officers out there that walk around with hard-ons all the time. Uh, many of them have PTSD. Many of them shouldn't be cops. Many of them take their roles because, just like I've said, we have bad eggs everywhere. There aren't a lot of cops that'll shoot someone for taking a taser and being drunk and stumbling off. He's not going to get far. You call a car, they stop him somewhere down the line. Yeah, he might have a weapon. If he has a weapon, that's different. But the bottom line is lethal force should be the last resort. In a necessary situation, not in an unnecessary. I get where he's coming from. I see it. Because what if it was one of your kids, whatever they were, and they were drunk and whatever, or roofied? You don't know. And that happens. It's a tragedy, and it happens. How can we prevent tragedies from happening? This is a real thing. We have to see it that way. We have to understand. Because the only way you can control their influence on your reality is by understanding where they are pandering to. And almost everyone can get on board with that person didn't need to die. Yes, they were a criminal. Yes, they had just gotten out of jail. Yes, they were drunk. So that means they were incapacitated. So was lethal force necessary? I would say no. It happened. The officer shouldn't go to jail. He should be reprimanded. And this should change the way the police force moves forward in regards to force. You can clearly identify them. We have facial recognition everywhere. They're not getting anywhere. When they stopped, they had run his plates. They knew exactly who he was. That circumstance did not warrant it. I get it. But on the other hand, that's the way they've been trained. And the police officer may have felt threatened. That's the way it is. So... Kind of like in D.C. They were tearing down the monuments, doing this. They could have shot them if they came out with sledgehammers or whatever at them. They didn't. Instead, they took their pictures and posted it all over the place. It's going to be days and we're going to find them. What are they going to do? Hide out forever in a basement? Nope. They can't work again because we can find their identity. They can't do anything. So we have to be able to understand where these globalists and what area of thought 
and what area of emotion they're tapping into to enrage people to this point. Aside from using the racial fuel accelerator, right? They're using the fact of excessive force, and I'm with it. I don't think my police should have tanks. I'm honest. <laughs> I don't think they should because they're not as qualified as military to have tanks. I'm just saying. Maybe there could be like an extra police force that's like slash military police, whatever. But they're there to enforce the law and they're there to ensure that we're safe. Um, and that's without, you know, being stopped and being, you know, scared that if you make one. Let's say, for example, you're itchy and you, you, if you're like me, I, I always scratch like my head or my nose. Right. Just because I'm itchy, whatever. And I get stopped and, you know, I want to scratch my butt and I'm talking and I do that and I get shot. Why? Because I was itchy and I was comfortable and I was just doing it. But, you know, I wasn't a threat, but I wanted to scratch my I'm just saying. These are the things that, you know, we should think about, too. There's always two sides to the story. So Senator Mike Braun is wrong by saying, oh, yeah, I support Biden. But the point that he made, and I wanted you to hear it, aside from the enragement, because he was not addressing the questions asked him, because he could have made his point and said, you're right. He doesn't deserve life in prison. You're right. He doesn't deserve the death sentence. He doesn't deserve, He should have immunity to it. But going forward, we should change that because this could have been avoided, like he said, because they'd find him later. And he's right. Do you see what I'm saying? We can use this opportunity to address an issue that doesn't affect just black lives, right? It affects every single life. It affects you. You could be driving down the road and you have a handgun in your glove compartment. And you get pulled over for a taillight or something and you're like, yes, I have a weapon. It's in the glove compartment. And then they tell you step outside because now I feel threatened. Even though you're, you know, legally carrying it, they could do that. And what if the cops trigger happy? What if this? What if they're saying, well, they had a weapon and he went to get his license and registration where the weapon was, told me it was there. But, uh, you know, he kind of moved his hand a little bit. Whatever. Do you see where I'm going with this? Yes, it's a threat, but there should be different protocols. So the police are safe and the incapacitated individuals, right? Because I really feel strongly about that. I feel strongly about our vulnerable people. There are addicts, uh, you know, alcoholics out there. Yeah, they break the law. But remember, I I've said this before. Addiction is actually a mental health issue. When you try, one thing my father told me when I was young was, you know, now that you're going out into the world, it was right before I left um, for the Navy, uh, just like those minutes before. He said, when you go out into the world, I want you to remember, you could try anything you want. Try everything. Live your life. The one thing I don't want you ever trying is opioids. Ever. Because those have a biological impact on you. And you cannot get clean. You can get clean from cocaine. You can get clean from uh, marijuana, ecstasy, you name it. LSD might stay with you forever if you have a bad trip, he said. But please stay away from that. If anything, just stay away from that. And if you're ever in trouble, just call me. It just go out to the world and, and live your life. This is the advice my father gave me. Going through school... Right. I learned that indeed that is true. This is why we have an opioid epidemic. Opioids can actually trigger portions of your DNA code if you're susceptible to it to present receptors. This is actually a painful process because it's like forever a puzzle piece waiting for another. And it's like 
you know, sending out like sound, like hurt waves. Gimme, 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 gimme. As uh, the longer you're clean, the more muffled it is, but it will always be there. Always. I want you to understand that it'll always be there. So this is where it comes from me because my late brother was an addict from opioids. Uh, you know, he had gotten clean, fell off the wagon, gotten clean again from a very young age. So it is very important that people understand that, um, you know, there's a fine line between being gung ho for one and gung ho for another. There needs to be moderation. And I, I hope that's clear. Senator Mike Braun's a loser because he's trying to pander to both wrongfully. He doesn't need to pander. He needs to be in the middle like all of us should be. All of us should not be far right. All of us should not be far left. We should be in the middle. And it should be about America and about the people of the United States and about structure and the order that we would seek to find throughout this chaos. This teeter-totter balance is all fake. Because the illusion that there are two parties makes you think that the government stays up. I'll tell you what, 99% of the people in government right now, either in elected positions or politically appointed, have no idea what the heck they're doing. There were so many times throughout my life that I'm sitting there and I was the youngest person in the room and I'm like, all these people are idiots. Like, what the, what is going on here? Like, we are talking wars. We are talking espionage we are talking all this stuff and all these idiots are relying on other idiots rather than saying all right how do we fix this because they never want to fix the problem the problem generates money generates fluctuations understand that so in order to fix a problem you have to step back and see the problem see it from all eyes if you cannot see the perspective of every single argument then you cannot solve the problem that's, that's the number one rule for everything. Uh, kind of like, oh yeah, my car's broken down. Well, if you don't, oh, there's something wrong in the engine. What do you do? You don't just guess. Well, you can guesstimate, right? But you got to take the engine apart to see what's not working. Well, how do you take a problem like this apart? Well, we have this, this, this. Where are the pros and cons? Instead, we have partisan think tanks or people that are gung-ho. I am 100% for my police. Every single day a police officer goes out, he risks being next to a person that seeks to do him harm. Right? Same scenario. In a car, handgun. I'm not a threat. Gun is there. So we need to find a procedure. If you are a legally concealed carry or open carry state and you have a gun and you acknowledge this, you do not consent to search, but you can step out of your vehicle. But you do not, it'll be like you're in your vehicle, but you're outside just to make the cop safe. Why can't we have that rule? Why can't we just have that simple rule that even though I exit my car, I'm not authorizing a search. I do have a weapon. Uh, you know, if it's an open carry, tough noogies, is it registered? I say yes. Unless they have any reason, they won't even check it. If they do, I could be like, yo, I don't have it. Or maybe we can have like a card registration or something. The bottom line is we need to find a good balance. To keep those that are there to enforce and protect us safe right. and ourselves. I think law enforcement knows they need to have a better system than what they got now because it's stigmatizing right. them unduly. And he's right on that. Let's give him credit for that. I mean, other things, he's a little bit loser. But on that, he's right. We have to take chaos. It only is 
from tragedy, from loss, from going rock bottom and through chaos that we advance and we change and we become better. Uh, you know, we've gave, gave too much to control to one person, too much control to another person. That is a problem right? No one should have control. Everyone should have equal control. And in essence, we are the only ones in control. Remember, we are in control. We elected them. We created them. We do this. None of them have any power over us unless we give it to them. And that is the way it should go. Now, this police officer should not see one day of jail. He did exactly what he was trained. Maybe he was scared and maybe he should get reprimanded and they should get new techniques and new protocols. That's what it should be done. That's what should be done. Instead, we're using this as a political movement rather than, all right, Okay, this happened. This happened in Texas, you know, where they like smothered the, the, the guy who was schizophrenic. This happened in Kansas. This happened in Ohio. This happened in Kentucky. Let's, let's find something where our addicts, you know, mentally disabled people can be safe because they're vulnerable. Kind of like how we don't want COVID in nursing homes. We don't want anyone to have the authority to shoot someone because, you know, they're mentally unstable. Because when you're drunk, you're not stable. You're actually mentally unstable at that, po- at that moment when you're drunk, right? So I want to make that clear and I want people to understand it. Because the more fury you get, the more blinded you are. All of us have to have a clear mind with facts. What are facts? Facts are, guy was incapacitated. Facts are, he wasn't going to go too far. He couldn't even walk properly, right? Facts are, he did pull out a taser and he did attack the officer. It could have been a handgun. Correct, but it wasn't. So it could have gone another way. And I'm pretty sure the officer that shot him is thinking the same thing. I'm pretty sure. And that's more than enough. For those of you that have ever taken a life, you understand exactly what I'm saying. I've never ever taken a life. I can't even fathom. I would rather die than protect myself, right? Um, I would never, but I know people that have, and it plagues them because it is a life and a future that won't exist because you ceased it. That's a big responsibility of ceasing someone's future. Okay. You know, imagine how many people you impact, Imagine how many people they have impacted, how many people they interact with, how many people they have in their life. I'm just saying we have to see it from all perspectives. That is the right way to do it. That is the only way to do it. Now, furthering on, I just wanted to say, so we've, uh, I wanted to shift gears a little bit. We've got Turkey um, full speed ahead pushing against um, Greece and Cyprus, which is insane. It's been a lot of movement in Libya, and Russia has been holding the front there in Syria for a very good portion of time. Uh, th- Turkey has also been excluded from the EU. They're not allowed to travel there, just like the U.S., Brazil, etc. And, uh, you know, I want you to remember that, um, you know, th- what we're going to be seeing coming out of the Middle East is going to be pretty, pretty insane. Things are going just as time... Psh- kind of like clockwork. That's the way it is. Uh, you know, uh, there is, um, remember where I told you that, you know, by Labor Day, Barr might be leaving. Um, he's actually going to move into something else. I'm just saying. Um, and this is going to stem from, like we said, what did we say? We said, ah, impeachment. 
Didn't we say this two months ago? Oh, here we go. We've got Barr for impeachment, and we're going to start on Trump. I mean, the Russia thing kind of failed a little bit, but there are people that are actively moving to remove Barr, right? We've, we've, we've said this, right? We've said this. We knew it. It was coming. And I was on the wrong Labor Day for some reason. Last year, I thought it was Labor Day. It's this Labor Day. So it's after Labor Day that we're going to see a lot of big movements, a lot of big pushes. Um, and uh, we're going to see a lot of big changes right before the elections and right after the elections. Uh, you know, uh, cabinet uh, members will be shifted, uh, shuffled, removed, and put somewhere else. It's going to be a pretty interesting period of time. In the meantime, we have uh, our inability to speak. Uh, you know, masks, right? Masks. Now we have people telling us that masks are mandatory. You know what's funny? They were like, well, President Trump should wear it anyway, even though he gets tested, to send a message. Um, hello? He is sending a message. By not wearing it? He's like, no, dude, you really don't need it. He's telling you that. And that's what the left media is losing their mind about. If he's not wearing it, he's telling the people it's unnecessary. Yes, it is totally unnecessary because our media and social media are controlled by leftists. Here's what Don Jr. had to say about that. President Trump and his supporters, social media site Reddit banned uh, the forum r slash the Donald and Amazon live streaming service Twitch, banning the president's channel, both over allegedly promoting hate speech. I am back with the Trump Organization's executive vice president, Donald Trump Jr. Don, what do you think about this? We know that social media has begun to really push back on the president. Uh, and uh, now it feels like it's a badge of honor for them to push back on on your father when he's on social media? Well, it's not just my father, Maria. It's all conservatives. It's people who are pro-life. It's people who are pro-Second Amendment, uh, the religious right. Uh, I mean, it's happened to me right. on numerous occasions because I had the gall to be the first person, let's call it the first verified person with a lot of followers, to be like, I don't know, guys, do you really believe this Jesse Smollett story? Meaning, if it happened, I mean, throw the book at him. But, like, this just sounds ridiculous. Uh, and, you know, I got targeted for a hate speech. Turns out I was right. Uh, you know, that didn't stop the mainstream media from you know, dragging me through the mud for three or four days. But, you know, that's what's going on. I mean, all of these social media companies, they're controlled by leftists. Even whatever they're saying, the 25,000 yeah. people that work of them are all leftists. They all believe in one thing, and it's not free speech. They only believe in their speech. You know, you can only be woke if you're not woke enough. Again, a cancelable offense. And so you've seen this happen. Uh, you know, social media is supposed to be a free marketplace. These companies get all sorts of protections from the federal government, from liability, etc. But if they're acting as publishers and they're saying you can't push this, you can't write that, you can't do that, they should not be getting those protections. And it's an issue I've been really vocal about for quite a few years. And a lot of conservatives, frankly, have been very slow to adapt, unfortunately. I think they're starting to get it. I think they're starting to see it. And conservative legislators understand now what's going on. And more importantly, they understand how big an issue that is with the conservative base who sees it. Maria, I can send out a tweet in the morning or an Instagram post. At this point, I do a lot of this. I know what something is going to do. And I see the numbers. Oh, that one's going to go big. And boom, it just hits a wall and it stops right there. 
you know, the algorithm kicks in. Yeah. They see it. They don't like it. They suppress it. Uh, it's happening. It's happening flagrantly. You've seen the stuff that James O'Keefe has been able to uncover. Uh, you know, people have to really yeah. step up on act because. Yeah, they do. And what we need to step up on is to watch out for these United Nations controlled places. Um, I got a text alert um, claiming that, you know, Black Lives Matter down in Utah. Remember where we had the U.N. proclaim their territory where Black Lives Matter rioters surrounded a car in the street, you know, because they think that they'll surround you, break your car and they could get away with it when one rioter actually pulled out a gun. And uh, we are retweeting his picture as I speak. Um, you know, this guy brandished a gun uh, he, and he shot at the driver. Obviously, the driver uh, ran over people, which is a good thing. And he should have. And that is pretty insane. If you ask me that, um, you know, they're now shooting guns and they're going to take you out because you're the wrong color. By the way, the person that shot the gun was a white person. I just wanted to say that. So this is where we're at. You know, I, you know one thing I want uh, you guys to understand is no one's ever going to crown you uh, anything in your life. You're never going to be someone because someone tells you that you are. You have to be that someone. You have to want to be that someone. And so in order to be that someone, you have to own it. And right now, all of you have to own the fact that you're American citizens, that you are in control, that you elected them, and you have every right to remove them. Now, take a listen to this European thing while I tweet that out. With some breaking news out of the European Union, we've been talking for several days about EU leaders meeting regarding what countries will be allowed into the EU, countries that the EU uh, estimates are uh, managing their COVID pandemic numbers well. Now, uh, there is uh, a decision that is made, and uh, our Fred Pleiken is in Brussels with more on that, I understand the EU has established a list confirming the U.S. that uh, U.S. citizens, though, are, are not on that list, confirming the countries that will be allowed into the EU. Tell us more, Fred. Yeah, you're absolutely right, uh, Hala. And this list came out really just a couple of minutes ago, so it's pretty hot off the printing presses, if you will. And there are indeed 15 nations on that list where the EU deems that it's safe to allow citizens from those countries back into the European Union. There's some interesting things on that list. For instance, China is on the list, so Chinese will be allowed to come back to the European Union. But the EU is saying that there needs to be reciprocity, that China also needs to allow EU citizens or citizens from EU countries back into China as well. And then we get to the whole complex of the United States which of course has been talked about a lot over the past couple of years. The United States did not make the list. But then if you look at uh, the list very carefully, there are a lot of countries on that list who are significantly less wealthy than the U.S. and whose healthcare systems also are a lot less well-funded than that in uh, the U.S. For instance, Algeria, uh, Georgia, Montenegro, Morocco, Tunisia, Rwanda, uh, and Serbia have all made the list because they essentially are deemed by the European Union to have been for, to dealing better with the coronavirus pandemic, to being more efficient at beating back the coronavirus pandemic than the United States. And of course, Hala, one of the things uh, that EU officials have been saying time and again is that all of this has nothing to do with politics, that all of this is only due to scientific criteria. Now, on that note, I want to wish you guys a wonderful evening. God bless from all of us here at Red State, and I'll see you tomorrow. Same time, same place.